0: All right, welcome to episode six of Podcast Payoffs. My name is Gord Vickman, Podcast Manager here at Strategic Coach, here with the co-founder of Strategic
1: Coach, Mr. Dan Sullivan. Dan, how are you doing today? Great, great, Gord. And we have a topic that you laid out for me, which is one of the great benefits of our particular partnership. But the first question is really, you know, thinking about partners on um podcast, because I have ten podcast series and nine of them are with a partner. So right away people say, Well, you know, how do you figure that out? And who determines the topic and what's the partnership on it? So what are you noticing? Because you you've been familiar with the podcast world, another thing. Am I unusual in having that many?
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if there's someone who has this many shows, but you have a great backstage team here at Strategic Coach that helps organize all of these and I've been asked a few times, people say, Well, Dan has 10 podcast series, what is it about them that he likes doing? And my answer to that is always, each one has sort of a sibling resemblance. You know, you get a family around the Thanksgiving table. Mom and dad kind of look like everyone, and then brothers kind of look like sisters, and sisters sort of look like brothers. If you go to strategicpodcasts.com, that's our network page, and that's where you can find all of our shows here at Strategic Coach, you'll notice that there is sort of an undercurrent and a theme That unifies all the shows, but the shows you do, for example, with Joe Polish, 10X Talks, that one focuses on marketing, but there's still elements of that family. And Mm -hmm. then the show you do with Peter Diamandis, Exponential Wisdom, that one focuses more on technology and people will notice as they go through that you might like one a little bit better than the others. One might appeal to you more, and then you can choose that one, but there's pretty much something for everyone on our network page, whether it's technology or whether it's marketing, whether it's philosophy, whether it's you know profitability or just exponential growth or whatnot. There's something for everyone on that network page, and I don't know if you did it purposefully or if you did it subconsciously, but that's the way that everything's kind of laid out, and that's how we're moving forward with the network.
1: Yeah, I think the common linking Category here is entrepreneurism. So, you know, I've been 45 years coaching just entrepreneurs, and they come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, and there are a lot of different industries, and they have a lot of different issues. So, first of all, it's kind of like ready made that you can have a lot of different topics. So, I would say Malcolm Gladwell had a book. And he talked about if you really look at people who are really good at what they do, they have about 10,000 hours experience. And I said, you know, if I go back 45 years, I've had probably around 50,000 hours experience of just talking to entrepreneurs about what they do and the different things they do in the marketplace. So there's a lot of things that I find very, very interesting about entrepreneurism. And then I'll have certain issues that I just have a natural liking of having conversations with them, quite apart before I ever thought about podcasts or even if the technology was available. So I just said, you know, like Dean Jackson, we have one called The Joy of Procrastination. Well, you know, procrastination is really a big entrepreneurial topic, you know, mm-hmm. what I mean, and for most entrepreneurs, a very hidden, shameful topic. And I said, well, what if it was actually wisdom? What if when entrepreneurs procrastinate, maybe they're just being wise they're excited about some project or they're excited about some bigger and better goal in the future, but they're being held back. Something's telling them, yeah, the goal's great, but you shouldn't be the person doing this. And I said, why don't you just use it as that procrastination is a inner wisdom that's telling you, yes, 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 by all means, go towards the goal, but don't you be the person that has to do the work to actually get to the goal, collaborate mm-hmm. or you know bring someone else on to actually do that. And that just spawned a whole universe of different aspects of procrastination and how we look at things and so I think that's the big thing and then when you came on board, you know, you added incredible number of dimensions. You know, we were kind of like amateur podcasters <laughs> and then you brought in a whole professional framework and a whole professional way of taking advantage of all the different Networks and different kinds of platforms, and different kinds of really fast technologies that you could enhance the reach and you know the professionalism just the packaging of your podcast so naturally after a while i said why don't i just have a podcast with the guy who's doing podcasts all the time and what he's discovering about podcasts so i think that's the answer but there's one here that really attracted my attention and that is that entrepreneurs are in every kind of industry but there's a lot of industries that are regulated by law and lawyers are in charge about what you can say and what you can't say Mm -hmm. in any of your communications, whether it's your marketing communications. And they're so used to being said no to with their attempts to communicate their business that it's made them very gun-shy about saying anything before they got permission to say it. Now, I'm saying this that I have always found ways for my particular entrepreneurs to get around compliance law to talk about things. So that's what I'd like to talk about on this particular issue. What we're doing today on episode six of Podcast Payoffs is that we had a Facebook Live
0: recently and had a lot of fun, and we didn't get a chance to answer a lot of the questions that came in. So I collected about five that I thought were pretty intriguing, and I thought we could use the episode today to go back and just discuss some of these and to make sure that we you know, get to the ones that we didn't get a chance to get to. If you're looking for that Facebook Live, if you want to watch the replay... You can go on YouTube and just type in strategic coach, enter, and it's very easy to find. It's right there. You'll see Dan and I on the little thumbnail clip. So questions that were remaining from these, we mm-hmm. you know touched on one right off the top, which was how do we decide on the topics of the podcast? But that one question that came up twice actually was in industries that are very tightly regulated, how do you navigate compliance? So from a podcast performance You know, you're not going to be going live with that show. You're going to be pre recording that show. You're going to run the audio by your compliance department, the legal department. They're going to give you your advice, and then you're going to take out or remove whatever they don't want you to have in there, essentially. So that's how you get around that. You have that layer of safety and that filter layer because it's not going live like a regular show. So if you are in an industry where compliance is a big deal and you want to make sure that you're not saying anything that can get you in trouble later, just run it through the compliance people before you publish.
1: And that's pretty much all you have to do, essentially. And we've given really strong advice in the earlier episodes of the podcast, Gord, that the most effective podcasts are not scripted. So getting compliance or getting permission means that you're scripted right Mm -hmm. off the bat. But you may stay out of jail. Yeah, but here's the thing. You bypass the whole thing. You don't talk about your profession. You don't talk about your expertise. You talk about human issues that are out there that your industry plays a part in actually addressing these issues. And I'll give you an example. So I was just on a podcast before coming into this, and these are entrepreneurs who are dealing with healthcare care across international borders so this would be a canadian expert on healthcare and someone in the united states and we weren't talking about the various legislation or even what they did in their company they were just talking about what happens when someone you know they have healthcare coverage or program in one country but they cross boundaries into another country and then they have need for healthcare and how do they handle that? And then they were just talking about some of the improvements that would have to be made to this in the future. So they're not promising anything, they're not talking or they're not marketing their particular services, they're just showing an awareness of issues that are human issues. So my feeling is the bypass for all regulatory restrictions is you don't talk about the industry, you don't talk about the profession, you don't talk about anything in the way that you're promising them any kind of solution if they come to you. You're just talking about the issues and you're showing an awareness, not from your point of view, but from the point of view of a human being who's in situations where a particular type of problem happens. But you happen to know a lot about these situations just because of your experience. So you're just going situation by situation, essentially,
0: dealing with one person's issue as opposed to the community and throwing a whole blanket over the thing that which people are wondering about.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, what's really compelling about that, the biggest complaint against any specialty in the marketplace and regulated industries could be lawyers, could be accountants, could be financial, you know, any kind of financial. These are very tightly regulated architecture, engineering, you know, the biggest complaint is they only talk to us in the language of their profession you know in other words they have a particular nail that they want to hit with a hammer and they're just checking out to see if i'm the nail that they want to hit with their <laughs> hammer and it's the biggest turnoff it's like politicians who talk government policies and programs yeah. and no voter cares in the least about a program or a policy, they're just saying, "I got a problem. How do we get this out?" Well, we we just devoted two hundred million dollars to this particular program. It has no bearing on what the issue is of the individual. It's like, oh, you just spend two hundred million dollars more taxpayer money. How is that a solution? You know? <laughs> but they don't talk about any kind of solution. And I think the thing is by going out and talk about what it looks like from the inside of an individual, it's very, very compelling to the listener to say, God, a doctor who actually understands human problems or a lawyer who actually understands human problems. God, mm-hmm. this is really, really interesting. How did this person actually become a human being? How did this particular <laughs> lawyer actually become a human being? I'd like to know. You know, And so all the really great spokespeople who happen to have a particular specialty or particular training, the attractiveness of them is to the degree that they don't talk their industry speak or they don't talk the point of view of their industry. They actually talk from the standpoint of the listener. Well, you can
0: loop that back to strategic coach. The whole essence is thinking about your thinking. Because I remember one time when I came on board, someone said, well… A friend of mine asked me, he said, well, what if Dan gave someone advice and what if he told someone to do something and to make this move or to do this one particular thing and it really didn't work and that person lost a lot of money? Wouldn't that person be upset? Wouldn't there be litigation? And I said, well, no, that is never going to happen because as a strategic coach, you've never told anybody what to do. You're simply teaching them to think about their thinking to sort it out themselves. Well, I'll
1: ask them questions. Yeah. You know, I said, Well, how are you thinking about this? You know, and I have had a situation, you know, and this has happened quite a number of times because I've been coaching for 45 years where there's a particular personal decision they have to make in their personal life and they think they're having a, a business problem, but there's actually something very significant that they have to make a decision in their personal life, frequently it'll have to do with marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, they say, I don't understand it. I've got everything in place, I've got the opportunities, I've got the skill and everything else, and I'm not moving forward on this. And I said, so, can I ask you a question? How's your marriage partner feel about that? Oh, you said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, there's a real problem Uh there, (laughs) there's a real problem there. You know, and the problem is usually they don't want to go 10 times with their business because they don't want to split 10 times in half in the future. you know. And I'll ask them the question. And I said, so when's a good time to tell the truth about this? They said, oh, you mean I really got to handle this before any of the business is going to work? And I said, well, what do you think? Let me ask you a question. If it's 90 days, from now, and we're having a conversation here, and you still haven't handled this. Have you made any progress in your business? So I'm just getting them to take a look at what's going on in their heads. First of all, I'm not in their head. I'm not in the center of their life. All I can do is ask them questions on the basis of information they gave me, but feed it back in a different way. You told me five things. So if you had to just pick one of them and go forward on them, which would be the one? Well, I don't know the answer. I never know any of the answers to any of the questions that I ask. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking the question. I'm completely ignorant. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you ever get a bonus for marriage counseling? Yeah, you know, and even there, it involves other people besides me talking to them. You know, they have to go and talk to a lot of different people. But a lot of people just have a lot going on that kind of confuses them. And one person who just asks clarifying questions can be of enormous value. But even then, I don't even know what decision they're going to make, and I don't know what action they're going to take, nor do I care to. It's their life, it's not my life. So I think that. As we feed this back to podcast, posing a question to the listeners is incredibly more powerful than giving the listeners an answer mm-hmm. because they'll just argue with your answers. Well, that doesn't apply to me. But if I said, I don't know if this applies to you or not, but if you thought about something that was really crucial in your future that had to be handled in your personal life before you could move forward in your business life, what would it be? Well, everybody said, What is it? What is it? You know, and they're engaged completely because they're not operating in my world, they're operating in their world. I just took a question that took them deeper into their world. And my feeling is that bypasses compliance completely. Mm-hmm. And putting all the pieces together. Yeah. That kind of segues really nicely into another
0: question that I thought this was really juicy. This came in during our Facebook live that we did recently. We didn't have a chance to get to it, but I wanted your thoughts on this, Dan. A gentleman asked, in this political climate how do you make sure you don't upset someone? Prior to coming to coach, I was a producer and host for a few big morning radio programs up here in Canada. And we had this wonderful woman named Lori who'd come on our morning show. And she was from a an organization that she founded called ARF, the Animal Rescue Foundation. Mm-hmm. So they would go and they would find homeless dogs and cats and they would rehome them. I thought this was just a really neat thing. I thought Lori was a wonderful woman. So I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't... You bring one of the dogs and one of the cats once per month onto our show. We'll do some little video clips. We'll take some pictures. We'll promote these animals that don't have forever homes, and we'll see if we can rehome them. We had no idea if it was going to work. Well, eight years later, we had a 100% success rate every single month, every dog and every cat that Lori had brought on the show found somewhere to live. So we're patting ourselves on the back. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. We think, you know, we're doing God's work here. And then one day I opened up my inbox and we get this, it was an email from a woman and the subject line was, why do you hate animals? (laughs) So I, I said, that's a great icebreaker. I clicked on it and it was this woman who meant well. She said, you know, all you guys do is focus on dogs and cats. Did you know that there are other animals out there who aren't quite as fuzzy as dogs and cats? There are hedgehogs, there are snakes, <laughs> there are tarantulas, there are plenty of animals who need forever homes, and all you guys are doing is reinforcing the notion that the only animals who need homes are the fuzzy and cute ones. And I read that, and I had this little epiphany that I had was, holy smokes, it doesn't matter how good you're trying to be, someone will Always be upset because what you say is never about what you've said. It's how they internalize it. They mix it in the big pot of their own emotions, all of their history, all of their background. So the answer to that question is you can't make sure you don't upset someone. You just have to say what you feel you want to say and don't worry about it.
1: Well, as I look at the question here, it tells me is your intention – And taking all the time to create a podcast and actually want to have a really expanding worldwide audience is your basic operation that nothing you say in your podcast will ever upset anyone. Because (laughs) I can tell you, you'll be lucky to have an ongoing audience of one person if that's your intention. And the whole point is you have to understand that being upset about something is a voluntary action. (laughs) Exactly. You're complicit in the upset. No no no, I mean I can't upset anyone unless they give me permission to upset them. Mm-hmm. You know. So yesterday, for example, I was in a workshop and you know, this is an entrepreneurial workshop and these are, you know, really top-notch money earners. So, the person asked me a question about the climate issues. So, here we go. (laughs) So, here we go. And he said, You know, I'm sitting here. There seems to be a real contradiction because in our program at Coach, we talk about, you know, 25 years into the future and, you know, you're 10 times bigger or 100 times bigger. But he says, you know, we're doing this in a world where there may not be a world in 25 years because of the climate crises, mm-hmm. you know. And he says, you know, it's pretty clear, you know, from all the scientific consensus that we're heading towards a disaster. And he says the entire environmental movement, there seems to be global agreement that this is a big problem. So he asked me the question. I thought it was a great question, you know, it was a great question. And I said, well, there's two ways of looking at the climate crisis. And I said, number one is that this actually has something to do with the climate. Okay. So that would mean that there's complete understanding of the climate and all the measurements, and we have complete understanding of every factor involved in the climate. And therefore, if a whole bunch of people are predicting this and it's based on climate, that would be one way of looking at it. And if I were in your shoes and you believe that, I would probably retire right now because all this work that we're talking about, about growing your entrepreneurial business, you know, it's probably a wasted effort, you know. Find a beach. Uh, I would say, you know, just go on free days and, you know, whatever money you have saved up, you know, figure out is it 25 years or 12 years when the world falls apart or is destroyed. And I said, I just try to have a good time for the next 12 years you know, I wouldn't work. I mean, I certainly wouldn't work. But I says, that's one point of view. But what if the point of view is that the whole climate has nothing to do with the climate, because as far as I can see, we don't know that much about the climate. For example, we don't understand what the clouds do to the climate, because, you know, there's no calculus of the dynamic movement of clouds is way beyond computing ability. We don't know if the tilting because the planet is always wobbling a little bit on its axis that that's actually affecting things the other thing is we know that the planet's been warming up for 20,000 years because 20,000 years ago 80% of the planet was covered with ice and it's been melting for 20,000 years we don't know what the tides do you know and i just listed a whole bunch of things and i said and you know Up until the last 100 years, there were no accurate temperature readings on the planet. And the United States is actually the best, and they didn't have great temperature readings. So I said, so if you take that into factor and you say that this is for an entirely different reason, as strictly for political reasons and strictly for getting large amounts of money flowing in scientific grants – to a whole group of scientists who believe that you get paid a lot more for predicting doom than you do predicting solutions. Well, maybe you look at it totally differently, you know. And I said, so there's two ways of looking at it. And I said, I can't decide which way that you should decide this is, but you know, I'm feeling that I have an enormous amount of my own future in my own control and, you know, until the game gets cut off, I'm growing, you know. So that was my answer. So I came up, so did I knock him down about what he was blaming? No, I said I just said, there's a spectrum of belief here and it all depends on which one that you're buying into. And he came up to me afterwards. He said, You know, this has given me a lot of framework for actually rethinking things here. Thinking about your thinking. And then a lot of people came up and said, You know, are some books I should read on this? And I you know, I had a whole list. And I said, I can also tell you the books of where the whole movement started, and it didn't start as a climate-based or scientific-based start. It was a real worry on the part of a lot of countries in the world that the United States would just get bigger and bigger and better and unless they could control the growth of their economy. And this was political. you know It was economic and political. It had nothing to do with climate. But here's the thing about this is that, Gord, you would know this because you were on air with live radio for a long time. There's a way of handling almost any complaint or issue or controversy in such a way that you open it up for the listener to actually say, well, you can think about this this way or you can think about it that way. The big thing you don't do is you don't want to dictate to somebody how they're going to think about what you're saying. You're Mm -hmm. just saying, here's a way of thinking about it, here's another way of thinking. Personally, from my experience, I really favor this way of thinking, but that's my own experience.
0: And most of the time when people do complain and... Like I said, when you're talking to large groups of people, especially in morning radio or broadcast television or even on podcasts, someone's going to be upset by something that you said. So just to loop back to the question that we had from the Facebook Live in this political climate, how do you make sure you don't upset someone? If you do manage to upset someone and you hear from them, they're upset about something they hear on your podcast, most people just want to be heard. They want to be acknowledged. They want to know that you read what they said and they want to know that you understand their point of view. You don't have to agree with what they said. You just have to read and acknowledge and most people will be satisfied with that. Most people know that they're probably not going to change your mind. They just want to know that they've
1: been heard. And I think it's a lost skill. I think it's a lost skill that you can completely disagree with another person without disrespecting them. It's
0: probably a lesson for the entire world, especially the online world. Dan, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. We've mentioned a lot of our podcasts in the Strategic Podcast Network here today. If you haven't been to the site already, strategicpodcast.com, you can visit us there and not only find Podcast Payoffs, but also the shows that Dan does, all 10 of them. And we'd love for you to join us. Choose the one you like the best. And we hope you join us next time on the next episode of Podcast Payoffs. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.